You're listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. Hello, this is Connie Cooper with Dairy Voice, and we are visiting today with Dr. Doug Hammond. He's the Dairy Technical Services Director at Soetis. So thank you, Doug, for joining us today. We're really glad you're here. Thank you, Connie. My pleasure. Great to be here. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background? and Yeah, Connie, I've uh, professionally, I've been a veterinarian for 28 years. I'm a Washington State University graduate, uh, 2004. And from there, I went to dairy practice in central Washington and then decided to go back to school and pursue a PhD, which I did. Um, got a PhD in animal science, reproductive biology from Utah State University. And from there, stayed on as a faculty member and worked in doing clinical medicine, teaching and research. And from there, I moved in 2005 to California to start my current career with Zoetta. So I spent about 13 years out in California, and I've been here in southern Idaho, just outside of Twin Falls for the past about four years. Uh, And I've spent my career working in dairy uh, with dairy cattle and I've spent a lot of time around the West working with uh, calf operations and large calf ranches, particularly in the last 15 years or so. Thank you. To be clear today, we're going to be talking about BRD. BRD it seems to be a, a large, uh, wide-sweeping disease that, that has a lot of different reasons why it happens. So what, what is BRD in your in your definition. Yeah, so just for the uh, three-letter acronym, that's uh, an abbreviation for bovine respiratory disease. I think we all understand that. Um, and certainly a common occurrence in younger dairy calves, both prior to, but particularly post-weaning, you know, can affect calves and really cattle anytime throughout their lives, but uh, uh, most commonly in that earlier part of the calves life uh, prior to and just after weaning. And really, it's the second most common disease that we see in calves, second to scours. Um, so, you know, high level of morbidity, meaning disease, and then uh, there's some associated mortality or death loss that's associated with that. And so um, what are the financial implications if, if, a, if a herd is infected with BRD? Yeah, and there's, you know, the financial implications of BRD are really derived from a lot of sources, but a lot of that's uh, due to loss of affected calves, meaning, you know, either they're cold or they succumb to BRD or some other disease following that and die. Um, But decreased weight gains affect calves that are associated with BRD. And, you know, we've seen several studies that show a loss in average daily gain of affected calves between a quarter and a third of a pound a day. So when we think about that, uh, you know, a calf that's affected from pneumonia may get a pound or so behind every three to four days compared to one of its uh, herd mates that's not affected with BRD. So that's a big contributor. And as you can imagine, that leads to um, delays in calving, delays in breeding, delays in calving, um, which certainly increases rearing costs. So those costs can really be spread over the lifetime of that animal. But also those calves that are affected with BRD often produce less milk when they become lactating adults. So 
there was a study from the University of Wisconsin uh, over the last few years that showed that calves with ultrasound evidence of lung damage produced about 1,050 pounds less milk during that first lactation. So oh, wow. that's, a, that's an additional cost to that that really goes out at least through, you know, lactation. Right. That's real dollars and cents. So, you know, we often think and our, you know, producers and we, we often think of treatment costs as, as a part of that. And it is, although overall it's, it's a small, not insignificant, but a, you know, a small part of that cost. Well, something certainly to be avoided as much as possible. For sure. So, okay. So I am a dairy farmer and I walk into my calf barn or my, through my calf hutches. What kind of signs and symptoms are, am I looking for with BRD? Uh, and then just keep in mind that these signs can be subtle, certainly at the beginning of the BRD process when calves first become affected, but kind of the classic uh, signs that we see with Respiratory disease in calves are rapid or difficult breathing, coughing, certainly nasal discharge, and oftentimes discharge from the eyes as well, ocular discharge. And then, you know, fever, if we're looking at temperatures, oftentimes these calves will uh, and most often be febrile. And then it's not uncommon to see decreased appetite. Certainly, you know, as we're milk, feeding milk to those calves, we may notice that they're off feed a bit. Again, you know, these signs can be subtle at the beginning, and that's particularly true with mycoplasma bovis infection. So we'll keep that in mind as we talk through this. So you, you mentioned the, the mycoplasma. So is, is this a, a disease of a bacteria or a virus or both? Yeah, it's, it's, we often classify it as a bacteria, but mycoplasma as an organism is a bit different in that um, it's a very small pathogen, uh, lacks a cell wall, which makes it different from the other you know, of the four major pathogens that we deal with, mycoplasma, laxus, cell wall, and, you know, the pastorella, the histophilus, and the uh, manheimia all would have a cell wall. So that's also important to keep in mind from a treatment perspective um, when you're thinking about that. But it's certainly, uh, you know, one of the four major pathogens, uh, bacterial pathogens that are associated with respiratory disease in cats. When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit diamondv.com, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Let's go back to the calf barn again. What kind of um, environmental factors um, and, and management practices do you see in, in successful versus unsuccessful treatments of this? It's a great question. I think, you know, like all other health and performance uh, management issues, it really starts on day one. Well, probably prior to day one, but at birth, that calf. And I think good uh, colostrum management, adequate colostrum feeding are really where it starts. Certainly we see in calves that have uh, less than adequate colostrum or in herds where there's a challenge with colostrum, we can see some you know, early challenges with scours and then also early pneumonias that come you know, on the backside of that scour. So that's an important uh, component to that. And I would add, you know, when we're feeding colostrum and waste milk to calves, it's important to consider uh, heat treating that colostrum 
pasteurizing waste milk uh, to reduce the bacterial load, but also to reduce the impact and the risk for mycoplasma. Because you know, mycoplasma in milk or colostrum is oftentimes the source of exposure for those young calves. So that would be a place to start. And then, you know, we always want to consider just, you know, nutritional stress as a risk factor. So it's important to, you know, feed those calves on a high plane of nutrition where they're gaining well, they're in good condition, got strong immune function to where they can fight off the disease entities when they, you know, when they're exposed to those. Um, another important consideration is just air quality. Uh, oftentimes, particularly in the colder months and winter months when barns and hutches get more closed up, uh, that can have a detrimental impact on um, air quality and ammonia levels rise, which can certainly damage that upper respiratory tract in a calf and predispose it to uh, respiratory disease. Another just uh, common uh, area where we see some challenges is around that weaning time. So weaning stress in and of itself, which often leads to that peak BRD challenge shortly after weaning or around the time of weaning. And as they go into group housing, if they're going from a low density to a high density housing situation and commingling, they're sharing all these pathogens. And then there's some nutritional stress often that's associated with that weaning. And all of those things really can combine to uh, put those calves at risk for uh, respiratory disease. What about, um, what about bedding? What do you recommend yeah. for bedding for, for yeah. different, is it seasonal that you'd recommend something different in, in the winter versus the spring or, or what are your, what are your recommendations for that? Yeah, and I certainly recognize there are regional differences in the way we house and bed calves, but kind of the standard recommendation would be, you know, that calves are bedded so that they can nest in their bedding. Take straw, for instance, if we're, you know, deep bedded straw to where when those calves are lying down, um, their legs are covered in that straw so they can get down in it. And then the other important part of that would be to just keep it clean and dry. Wet bedding uh, impacts air quality not to mention the comfort of the calf itself, but then that's where we can start getting into issues with ammonia levels increasing in, in, in that bedding in and of itself. So bedding becomes important and particularly in the wintertime and the colder months, uh, you know, those calves need to be able to nest, stay warm and just have good air quality. I think that's a very important uh, component to this. And then I would think that's uh, sanitizing, whether they're in a calf stall type of situation yeah. or a hutch or group in whatever, that would be important too. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, as calves need to enter a, a hutch that's been, you know, well sanitized, fresh bedding, um, and then certainly in between calves, uh, we want to sanitize those. And goes without saying, all, anything that comes in contact with those calves from a feeding equipment standpoint uh, needs to be sanitized before uh, that calf uh, uses that equipment. So let's talk about standard operating procedures for diagnosis and, and treatment. Um, how can a, a farmer work with, with their, the consultants that they, that they work with to build that kind of a plan? Great question. And I think, you know, it's always important. And I always start with work closely with your veterinarian to establish both, uh, you know, diagnostic criteria for all diseases, but respiratory disease uh, included, and as well as treatment protocols. So, you know, I think 
probably to start with is just helping workers and those that are caring for calves and treating calves to understand the clinical signs and symptoms that are associated with respiratory disease. So that's a start. And it's, it's not as simple as it might sound. Uh, cattle in particular are really good at kind of hiding their symptoms when we're uh, you know, looking at them. So be able to recognize those uh, clinical signs that we described earlier, you know, in the early part of the disease process is important. But also from, you know, from a diagnostic standpoint, point, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, you know, of gathering information from calves uh, in postmortem, you know, diagnostics, necropsies, if for no other reason, just to help workers gain confidence in that they are treating the disease that they think they're treating. And, uh, you know, necropsies uh, with veterinary guidance can really help them understand if, was that really a pneumonia uh, that I was treating? And outside of that, you know, there's some other uh, certainly value in looking at what viruses and bacteria are associated with those uh, calves when they do uh, die from pneumonia. So with that in mind, talking about uh, the different protocols, what about a multi-dose versus a, uh, a one-dose fever-reducing treatment? How, how do you tell farmers how they can decide how that, make, that decision is easier made? You know, we've got some really good, what I'd call single-dose, long-acting anti-infectives available to us today uh, that include uh, a fever reducer. So um, certainly when we're considering treatment of BRD, just we need to think about the, the array of bacteria, those four common pathogens, including mycoplasma. You know, we want to select something that's going to be effective through a long period of time throughout the treatment period, seven to 10 days. That would include, uh, have a you know, label for treatment of mycoplasma in addition to Mannheimia, Pasteurella, and Histophilus. So you know, broad spectrum, long acting. And then keep in mind that inflammation is associated with really all, and including fever. So inflammation and fever are associated with that respiratory disease and, and the symptoms uh, that we see in affected calves. So part of the, you know, the treatment, when we think about what we're doing with that treatment, that anti-infective really isn't going to do a lot for the inflammation in and of itself. Uh, its role and its job is to de- decrease that bacterial level in the affected tissues, lung in the case of, of respiratory disease, and, and decrease that level to the point where the calves' own defense systems can clear that infection. Along with that, we've got inflammation uh, that's going to occur. It's part of the natural process, but that helps in the defense, uh, the uh, ramp up the defense cells. Uh, to take that infection out, but it also, you know, contributes to some of those clinical signs that we see like fever and uh, some of, you know, just the way the calf feels uh, with that fever and other inflammation. So and uh, long-acting anti-infective with a fever reducer makes a lot of sense in those young calves. And it may give workers that are treating those calves uh, some comfort to get through that early post-period, you know, that first 24 hours of of that treatment period where that anti-infective really starts to have uh, more of an effect. So they don't feel like they need to come back and treat that calf again the next day. Right. Have you run out of silage, had to buy expensive marked up feed to fill the gap? Maybe productions dropped due to lower dry matter intakes. 
are molds or mycotoxins creeping through your piles or bunkers. And pitching the rot is a dangerous pain. Oxygen is the enemy. Pack it out, then keep it out with Seal Pro, the professional grade silage barrier film protection chosen by top professional farmers like you. Make more, better, safer silage with Seal Pro. Learn more at SealProSilage.com. So, Doug, is there a time or a season that BRD is more prevalent, especially here in the West? Yeah, there's think about when we tend to see more risk for BRD. It's during those times of weather change. So there, you know, that can happen spring and fall when we've got extreme weather or I'm sorry, extreme temperature variations going from you know warmer days to colder nights. And then particularly here in the West, we tend to see more risk for respiratory disease. And in particular, uh, mycoplasma involvement uh, as we get into the winter months going from you know drier weather in the west to wetter colder weather and this winter has been a particularly challenging um, had several calls from large calf ranches and their veterinarians throughout this past winter with the early rains in california and throughout the west and then you know snow where we've seen a lot of challenge with mycoplasma so if we think about why that may be in the west we've talked about you know, ventilation being a challenge sometimes in the wintertime when we start closing up hutches and calf barns. Mycoplasma, once calves are exposed, inhabits the upper respiratory tract, often without any clinical signs, can see ear infections from that. Uh, and it just kind of hangs out there as a commensal organism, not causing disease until some stressor comes along. So, you know, change in environment, maybe a change in the mycoplasma itself to where it becomes more infective. But I think, you know, maybe some of those conditions that we see in the winter with air quality, uh, cold stress, maybe calves being a little more energy deficient because of the, you know, need combating that colder weather impacts uh, mycoplasma disease. But we certainly tend to see more mycoplasma in the wintertime. And it's been a bit of a challenge throughout this past winter. Can we have chronic cases of BRD? And, yeah. uh, and does it, do they relapse? Certainly, um, you know, our, our goal would be to have, and my goal is always to, you know, have the best first treatment outcome we can have because we get into second, third treatments and chronic disease. That's when we get severe and long-term lung damage that's gonna have that long-term effect on that calf through, you know, really throughout its life. So with that, again, I think that's where these single dose long acting uh, anti-infectives uh, help us to reduce the, you know, really the, the need or the risk for a second or third treatment. And certainly we can have chronic uh, respiratory disease. It's not uncommon. And particularly with mycoplasma bovis infection as a component to that, and oftentimes there's you know viruses and bacteria mycoplasma, uh, more than one pathogen affecting these calves. But with mycoplasma, it can be very subtle uh, at the beginning, kind of an insidious onset of pneumonia, and oftentimes by time it's detected in these calves, uh, you know we're kind of late in that uh, late in the game and. A little behind on the treatment. So those can certainly become chronic, which goes back to, you know, work with your veterinarian to, you know, 
uh, help identify those early subtle clinical signs of pneumonia and then decide when to treat those calves based on that. Probably worth mentioning, you know, there are a couple of tools out there that we use and our, you know, dairy producers and workers use to, to help them with that. There's a Two BRD scoring systems out there, they're similar. One is the University of Wisconsin BRD scoring tool or, or, or chart that we've used for years. It kind of describes what those signs are with pictures. Uh, it's on the University of Wisconsin vet school website. The other uh, is the University of California Davis. It's, a, it's an app that's available. It's just BRD scoring system from UC Davis. So that's a, that's a newer tool, very similar, but also it comes with uh, in the app photos and descriptions of what we're looking for. And it's really a scoring system to help us determine, does this calf have BRD and should I be treating this calf? And it's a way to track respiratory disease and clinical signs in calves. So those are great ways to maybe identify those BRD cases early and avoid some of those retreatments and chronics due to delayed treatment. Right, right. Well, that, those sound like good uh, tools to use for employees. So what other preventative measures can be taken to prevent uh, or minimize the BRD infections? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, uh, vaccine programs uh, uh, that are aimed at decreasing the risk and improving immunity to those respiratory pathogens, certainly uh, oftentimes the the viruses are the first ones in there, you know, the typical BRSV, IBR, BBD, PI3 that really set up conditions in that upper airway to allow bacteria to get from the upper airway down into the lungs and cause disease. So, uh, you know, again, recommend that you work closely with your veterinarian to establish solid vaccine protocols. And then I think Consistency seems to be so key on these farms to both health and performance, but consistency and nutrition and milk feeding and just providing those calves uh, with their needs there. And again, you know, we discussed them earlier, but ventilation and calf comfort uh, are, are really important to disease prevention and BRD in particular. Now, I know you work mostly with dairy cattle, but uh, I would imagine that beef producers follow, have some of these same issues when they're weaning their beef cattle from off from the mothers? Yeah, they certainly can. Although, you know, it's just probably one of the differences there in our typical confinement uh, raising of dairy cattle or and calves or just the, the, the stocking density sometimes is a little, you know, those calves are a little closer. They're going from, you know, either single or small group housing into large group housing. So, yeah, but a lot of the same stressors are at play there, for sure, between beef and dairy cattle. And you had, when we first started talking, you also talked about that this could happen in older cattle, too. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's, it's, if we look at when the risk, and we're talking about dairy calves in particular, uh, if we look at the risk of respiratory disease, there's kind of two times when we see it. If we look across, you know, looked across millions of calves, there's a, a period during that kind of milk feeding and maybe mid to late milk feeding, four to six weeks of age, where we see a spike in respiratory disease risk. And then the other one is that immediate post-weaning and then going into group housing. So that period, you know, really from, depending on when you're weaning, but oftentimes it's that 70 to 100 or 110 days of age. Once we get beyond that, there's, you know, several factors that probably decrease, uh, 
that lead to decreased risk for that. One is the calves' immune systems become more mature, so they're able to fight that off. And then also they've just they've gone through that nutritional stress, those nutritional changes. Um, they've, they've kind of shared the respiratory pathogens that they're going to share by that point in time. And things typically level out to where we see fairly low levels and low risk for respiratory disease in those calves, you know, out beyond three to four months of age. Okay. Not that it can't happen, but uh, that risk is pretty low when we get out there. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to share with us? There's, uh, there's a lot that goes into managing calves and decreasing risk for disease in general, including respiratory disease. Always encourage uh, our customers and those that I work with to work very closely with their veterinarian to uh, help you know, identify early the signs of clinical disease and BRD and to work with them on treatment protocols and just to help them do a better job uh, with treatment and outcomes for respiratory disease. Again, it's a costly disease that's worth paying attention to. Well, thank you for sharing all this information with us today, Doug. We appreciate it. We've been speaking with Dr. Doug Hammond. He is the Director for Dairy Technical Services for Zoetis. And we appreciate your time and your information today, Doug. Yeah, thank you, Connie. Thanks for having me today. This has been Connie Cooper with Dairy Voice Podcast, and we'll see you next time.